Hey, I'm Andy. If you don't know me, it's probably because I'm not famous. But I did start a men's grooming company called Harry's. The idea for Harry's came out of a frustrating experience I had buying razor blades. Most brands were overpriced, overdesigned, and out of touch. At Harry's, our approach is simple. Here's our secret. We make sharp, durable blades and sell them at honest prices for as low as $2 each. We care about quality so much that we do some crazy things, like buy a world-class German blade factory. Obsessing over every detail means we're confident in offering a 100% quality guarantee. Millions of guys have already made the switch to Harry's, so thank you if you're one of them. And if you're not, we hope you give us a try with this special offer. Get a Harry starter set with a five-blade razor, weighted handle, shave gel, and a travel cover. All for just three bucks, plus free shipping. Just go to harrys.com and enter 5000 at checkout. That's harrys.com, code 5000. Enjoy! Blog Talk Radio Welcome to Forever Blue Shirts Radio. And welcome to Forever Blue Shirts Radio. I'm Russell Hartman, as always, and you might have noticed we are no longer the Tilted Ice Podcast. Well, we decided to make that change earlier this week because we want to... Excuse me. Sorry about that. We decided to make this change earlier this week. Because we want to uh, show that we are uh, more a part of this, uh, the site. Uh, we want to align more with the website, of course. And we want to reinforce the brand that we have put forward so far. So uh, still the same people, still the same hosts. We're going to still bring you the same awesome content, still bring you the same awesome guests. But we're just a little bit easier to find, I think, now, if you're, pretty, if you're new to Forever Blue Shirts or if you know, you've been following us even for a while. No longer two different kind of things no longer two different names we're now under the same banner so once again forever blue shirts as well as forever blue shirts radio so now that we've gotten that out of the way welcome to i guess you could say the inaugural episode of forever blue shirts radio i will be joined today by john luke shapiro he will be calling in shortly and our guest today is the draft analyst mr steve cornianos and he will be going over all of the picks with us that the rangers made in the 2018 nhl entry draft just last week so before we get to all the draft talk, let's start off quickly with uh, something, some amazing news that happened today with former Ranger Martin St. Louis. Uh, St. Louis was elected to the Hockey Hall of Fame, an amazing honor for an amazing individual who, you know, when he was here with the New York Rangers, was so beloved, uh, a historic career with the Tampa Bay Lightning, uh, originally drafted by the Calgary Flames, oh, undrafted, I'm sorry, was signed by the Calgary Flames, uh, and just proved and worked his butt off for his entire career to show that he'd belong in this league. Um, one of the best wingers of the past at 30 years, 
Uh, you, could, you could definitely make a case that he's one of the top 100 players of all time in this league, just based on his size and what he was able to accomplish. Uh, amazing guy. And Marty, from the Forever Blue Shirts family and from all Ranger fans, congratulations. Uh, I could think of no one better to deserve that honor as a first ballot Hall of Famer. Um, I know we have some great memories with Marty on this team. Uh, everyone remembers the goal that he scored on Dustin Tokarski to give us a 3-1 lead on the Montreal Canadiens in the Eastern Conference Final in 2014. The goal that sparked a huge comeback against the Pittsburgh Penguins on Mother's Day during that same playoff run uh, right after his mother passed away and he elected to join the team, uh, you know, really quickly after that whole tragedy happened. Uh, you know, a lot of people at the time when he was traded for weren't fans of that trade uh, because of the assets that we sent away to the, to the Tampa Bay Lightning, but it paid off in spades. And yeah, we didn't win the Stanley Cup that year, but man, what a run and what memories a lot of us Rangers fans have for a lifetime because of Marty St. Louis. Uh, to this day, I still do not think we would have gotten nearly as far in that playoffs, playoff run uh, if Martin St. Louis is not on that team. So congratulations, Marty. No one more deserving, buddy. Next bit of news, not exactly Ranger news, but something that will overlap into Rangers news most likely within probably the next few weeks is JT Miller. As all of you know, he was traded to the Tampa Bay Lightning at the trade deadline with Ryan McDonough for a package around uh, defense prospect Libor Hayek and center prospect Brett Howden. Uh, But why I'm bringing JT Miller up right now is because of his contract that he was just awarded by the Tampa Bay Lightning. Five and a half million a year. Uh, consider this a base for Kevin Hayes now, which is why I don't think Kevin Hayes is going to be around much longer on this team. I like Kevin Hayes. I think he's a great player. He's very versatile, plays center and wing. I think he would fit nicely under David Quinn, but um, I don't know if he will be on this team much longer because if he commands something around 5.5 to 6, I don't think you want to be paying that much money for your second, like, at max, second-line center. Mika Zibanejad is entrenched as this team's number one center for now. Uh, it remains to be seen if Philip Heedle or Leah Sanderson can overtake him in that aspect. But I don't think you want to pay a second-line second, center, second line center or even third-line center or possibly even fourth-line center, depending on how well Anderson and Heedle acclimate themselves to the pro game this season, $5.5, $6 million. I just don't see it happening. Um, look, He's a fan favorite, I know, but uh, but I also know contingent of fans that aren't big fans of Kevin Hayes. So we'll see what happens, but I don't think that he will be a New York Ranger much longer if his if him and his agent say the starting point is five and a half, uh, four and a half maybe. But uh, Gorton, I don't think he will give Kevin Hayes that kind of money and the kind of term he's looking for. So maybe. Be on the lookout for a possible trade with Kevin Hayes. Uh, I'm not saying anything's definite, not saying anything's imminent, but maybe be on the lookout for something with Kevin Hayes in the coming weeks because I really don't know if Jeff Gordon's going to want to pay Kevin Hayes the uh, money that he wants or give him the term that he wants on this team with so many young guys coming up and trying to fight for spots now. Moving on to another bit of Rangers news is uh, Vitaly Kravtsov. Uh, as you guys know, first ninth overall pick in the first round this year by the New York Rangers. Uh, the big debate right now is, will he come over this season to North America? Will they buy out his KHL contract? According to some, it doesn't look like he is going to get the buyout, but ultimately I think if Jeff Gordon deems that he wants him to be on this side of the pond, 
that we will see him in North America. Will he make the roster? I don't know if he'll make the opening night roster. That is a bit of a stretch, but I do think he would be well-suited to the Hartford Wolfpack. We have an article up today on foreverblueshirts.com written by Kevin Krupe about why Vitaly should come over and play on North American ice next season. Uh, I personally think that would be really good for his development since he was dominating in the KHL playoffs last year. But then again, then again, another season in the KHL would not be bad for the kid. I mean, another season of development, of playing with men, uh, you know, showing his skills, showing that he can hang with older competition is nothing I think is fine. I don't think it's anything that people should be worried about. And I think that ultimately, if uh, they decide to keep him in the KHL, uh, there's nothing wrong with that. So either way, if he's playing for Hartford, if he's playing for the Rangers, if he's playing in the KHL, uh, this kid's development will be fine. He And I'm sure they will not rush him in any way. So we will see what happens with the Kravtsov situation as things move on here in the uh, coming weeks. Keandre Miller also, for those wondering, is not an option for us next season. He'll be attending the University of Wisconsin. Uh, Don't expect to see him at least for another year, maybe two. Same with Nils Lundqvist, who will be going back to the SHL next year with Lulia. Um, At least another year there, maybe two. So a lot of project players in the first round this year. Of course, we're going to go over more of this in detail with Steve in just a few minutes. But um, remember, a lot of these guys, these are for the rebuild. Uh, It seems like they are going fairly full-on rebuild here because none of these prospects will be here next year. Kravtsov is a big question mark. It's a possibility, but no Miller, no Lundqvist next year. Uh, so uh, still, even without those three, training camp battles are shaping up to be very interesting this season with Hedl and Anderson pushing for full-time work. Um, you have guys like uh, Vili Meskinen uh, and Michael Lindquist who are signed as unrestricted free agents from the European leagues. So, uh, even the defense, look, Libor Hayek has been quoted this week as saying he is going to compete and expects to be on the opening night roster. Brett Howden, he is done in junior, so it's off to the AHL or maybe even the opening night roster for him. Uh, does he make a guy like Bunievich expendable? You know, you don't know. But uh, a lot of intriguing storylines will be popping up over the summer as to what our opening night lineup will look like come October. Uh, preseason is going to be super important this year for players to make an impression on new head coach, David Quinn and, uh, training camp is going to be a battle. Uh, it's going to be really cool to see which kids step up, which veterans step up. And we'll see even what UFAs decide to join the team. Uh, we're hearing rumblings, Leo Komarov, maybe, maybe Jay Beagle. So character guys, guys that can help these young kids with their transition into the NHL. So it's going to be very interesting over the course of this summer to see, exactly what will go on with our blue shirts. Uh, As for the lower rounds, don't expect to see any of them over here just yet. Don't expect to see any of them make the opening night roster. I wouldn't worry about that. Um, Although one intriguing thing I would like to point out, and one thing I would ask the viewers is here is what exactly would you all do with our glut at center right now? Because think about it. Sabanajad, Hedl, Anderson, Hayes, Nieves, Howden, uh, there's a lot. There's a lot of intriguing options there, which is also why I do think a Kevin Hayes trade might be beneficial for this team to pick up some more assets, uh, maybe another forward prospect because they drafted a lot of defense this year. So we'll see what they decide to do, but it's definitely going to be a more interesting competition for roster spots than we've seen in a long time. As for the defense, if Libor Hayek wants on this roster, 
you have to imagine he definitely could do it. He had a great season in juniors. He had a really nice Memorial Cup run. Uh, and look, right now you got Brady Shea, Kevin Shattenkirk, Neil Pionk, John Gilmore, Rob O'Gara, Mark Stahl, uh, Brendan Smith. See if he can get back in the lineup. Libor Hayek. There's also Ryan Lindgren who we picked up. Don't expect to see Igor Rykov just yet as his contract as well as Igor Shafirkin's contract run out at the end of the 2019 season. But there's a lot of competition for defense as well. Uh, all around our team, we'll be seeing massive change over the next season or season or two. Um, especially, uh, you know, Henrik Lundqvist is 37. Uh, it's unfortunately, and it's really upsetting to think about, but it's almost time to say goodbye, um, which is going to be a blow to us all. No one wants to see Hank leave. But, um, you know, that's why I have a feeling why they drafted Olaf Lindblom as high as they did. Uh, that's why I have a feeling that Shashirkin will be here sooner rather than later. Guys like Alexander Georgiev, Brandon Halverson, uh, Tyler Wall, uh, you know, guys like that, they're going to have to start stepping up. We're going to have to see what we have in the goaltending department. And uh, Igor Shashirkin right now, he does have the lead on things. Um, the guy's just breaking records, breaking stat records all in the KHL, and I think he is going to be a fantastic goaltender for us in the future, but we can't just rush him in. I think a platoon with Henrik Lundqvist would be best for him. Hopefully next not this upcoming season, the season after would be really good for his development. Have him kind of split games with Henrik Lundqvist before he fully takes over the crease and uh, see what else we can find. Remember, the more assets that we have, the more trades we can make, the more things open up for us. So uh, even if we don't end up keeping all of our prospects, remember they'll be used in trades. They'll be used in other ways to help us get a uh, full and uh, cohesive team. So um, as we look forward to that, <clears throat> it's going to be really interesting to see just how much longer Henrik Lundqvist decides to play for this organization. Now he could, the goaltender is a different position here. Goaltenders have played into their mid forties in some, uh, in some ways, so, I mean, it's entirely possible that Henrik Lundqvist is here for another three, four, maybe even five years. It really depends on his conditioning, but the guy is always, always extremely well-conditioned. So that's something we wouldn't really have to worry about. And now, let me welcome our guest. Ladies and gentlemen, friend of the Forever Blue Shirts podcast, I'd love to welcome back, and it is my honor to welcome back, the draft analyst, Mr. Steve Corniano. Steve, how are you, man? Good, man. How you doing? Thanks for having me on. Thanks for coming back on, man. It's great to hear from you. So, a lot to, a lot to talk about here, a lot to go off. So, let's begin with number nine. Let's begin with, oh, man, I, I don't even know how to explain it, the silence that was in the room I was in when this guy was picked because everyone assumed it was going yeah. to be someone else. Um, so, right off the bat, Vitaly Kravtsov, worthy of the ninth pick and – is this kid's ceiling really as high as people are saying right now? Yeah, absolutely. I think it was a very good pick. Uh, I think people who watched him uh, play, if you want to really go back to some of the, the under-18 and under-17 tournaments he played in before, and then also uh, playing uh, this year in the VHL, which is you know the kind of like the KHL's minor league, and then also playing, obviously, in the KHL, uh, you saw something special was there. Uh, I think way back in July when I did my, my first 2018, I guess, watch list, uh, he was number like 35, I think, or something like that. And as the year progressed, I just kept on bumping him up and bumping him, and, uh, him up. Really because I, when you watch him play, I mean, he's a big kid. He's about 6'2", 6'3". He's 
He's got a long reach, excellent stick handler, very good speed. Uh, and he's not just a finisher. You know, I think, obviously, a lot of Ranger fans wanted Oliver Wallstrom. I really felt that the Rangers were going to aim for him because of their New England ties and uh, within the organization. Also, the fact that the kid has such a fantastic second half. And he kind of fits that mold. You know, the Rangers like American players. They like kids from the NTDP. Uh, they like kids that play a fearless kind of uh, crash the net style. But the difference was Walsham also plays well in, in all three zones. So I, I really felt like he was going to be the pick. Uh, but at the same time, I, I get it. I, when the pick was announced, I was not surprised. Uh, and actually, in the back of my mind, I felt like he was going to be an option whether it was going to be if the Rangers took Wallstrom, then the Islanders were, were going to take Kravtsov or vice versa, uh, just because I, I think both teams, you really need that, uh, that kind of like game-breaking winger uh, to, you know, fill the net. So, no, I, no, I wasn't surprised, uh, really. I felt like it's really good value. Uh, if you think, it, if you look at what he did, if you could almost say that what he did in the KHL playoffs as a 17- or 18-year-old, uh, extremely rare. Uh you know, the names that have done stuff that he did, you know, you're talking about guys like, you know, Pavel Bure and Alex Ovechkin. You know, those are some of the names in terms of playoff production as an under-18 player in the KHL or before that, the Russian uh, Super League playoffs. So, I, so to me, it was a good pick. It was a, it, I wouldn't say it was the only uh, pick that they uh, needed to make it at nine. I think there were other options that were there that would have been just as, as good of a pick. I'm glad that they didn't get – uh, Evan Bouchard, I think that his skating is, a, is kind of an issue, uh, even though they do need a puck mover uh, or, I guess, like a real elite power play quarterback, uh, at least from the left side. So, overall, I, I was very happy with the pick. I think the only – I guess the thing with the Rangers is they always seem to go off of uh, the consensus board and they always try to tell you, like, he was number two on our list or he was number one on our list. Uh, maybe every now and again it would be good for the Rangers to take advantage of uh, maybe selling or uh, buying high on a kid and, and maybe try to drop down a slot or two. And I'm trying to figure out why is it the Rangers that are always the ones that have to trade up or uh, go off the board to get a kid. Uh, why, why, and other teams are the ones that trade down and still get their guy. For once, I'd like to see the Rangers do that. Uh, we really don't know. I, I doubt the Oilers would have taken uh, Krabs over, well, you know, at, at, uh, at 10 so maybe, I know it's kind of tough to say, uh, make a trade with the Islanders in that regard. It probably would never happen anyway. But even still, I felt like, uh, you know, maybe something could have been done with it. They still probably could have grabbed them at another spot. But listen, if he's that guy and he's number two on their board behind Svechnikov, I, I, I guess I kind of understand why they didn't want to miss that chance. And I, I think when all is said and done, I definitely see him as a 35 uh, 30, 35 goal scorer at the NHL level. Something they haven't developed from the draft or uh, – from a draft pick uh, since Peter Pruka in 2006. And I think before Pruka, you got to go all the way back to Sergei Nemchinov in 1992. So the, the, the team desperately needs a winger that could score. Chris Kreider, as much as we love him, he's never really been that elite player, that consistent game breaker that everybody kind of is, uh, you know, is scared of and has to war game to try to stop. I think Kravtsov is his overall skill set, his ability to fill the net, but his skating, his dangling, his passing, his vision, his IQ, all the, superlatives that can keep going on and on and on. Uh, he's really a special player, I think, and he has an extremely high upside. 
Yeah, I mean, I didn't know much about Kravtsov. I'll admit before the, before the pick was announced, and like a lot of fans, and even like you said, I was kind of like focused on Oliver Wallstrom because I figure, why would you leave someone like that there? But after looking at what this kid accomplished as an under-18 in the, arguably the second-best league in the world, I mean, watching highlights of this kid dangle around defensemen and use his body and push and barrel through defensemen, and it was really something to see. I was like, wow, you know, it's it's – you know, it's funny because we don't really look across the pond as much, a lot of American NHL fans. But if you look over there and you, you see what this kid did, he's having production like even Evgeny Kuznetsov, Evgeny Malkin had in their years. So it's really something to behold, I think. Yeah, you got to be – the one thing that I, I would I would recommend uh, – the thing is you've always got to figure – you've got to give the, other, the, the enemy, I would like to say, or the opponents, they, they have a state. So it could be something where a kid like Kravtsov took them by surprise. Uh, where it's just it's so rare for a, a young teenager to go into the Russian Super League or the KHL and be so dominant and have, you know, Alexei Cherepanov, you know, rest in peace, was also a similar player in that regard. He was a game-breaker. He was, he was a kid that went right into the, uh, you know, the, the Russia, you know, Russia's top league and, and lit it up. And, you know, the, the comparisons were there to all be a different type of uh, player stylistically. The compa- comparisons were there to, you know, Pavel Bure and, Ilya Kovalchuk and Alex Ovechkin and all the big-name Russian players that have come out of that league, uh, you know, from a winger standpoint. So I really think that you got to see, to me, I know that they're talking right now about bringing him over to North America. I think that he needs to be in Russia another year. There's really no reason to rush this kid. Uh, I think that I'd like to see him play in the KHL for a full season. And now teams are going to be ready for him. They know that he's not going to really sneak up on them. Uh, and so I, I think it would be it would give the Rangers a better idea of where he's at. I know they might disagree and say, "Oh, I'll just put him in the AHL. Look how uh, well uh, Heedle and Anderson did." Uh, but uh, even still, I, I'm, I'm just hoping that it wasn't a fluke what he did uh, in the KHL because everything else that he's done, you saw flashes there. But he like what he did in that second half of the year, I think really vaulted his his draft stock. And I'm hoping it's not a situation where a really good second half. Uh, is really all that uh, they use to, to base the pick on. So whereas a guy like Wallstrom, he's consistently been this uh, super dominant winger uh, throughout uh, the last few years. So, But even even still, I mean, if you look at the overall package that Krabsov presents, I mean, he, he is going to be that guy. I think uh, if he develops a little bit of a mean streak, he gets a little bit more engaged. Obviously, he's going to fill out a little bit uh, right now. But he could be the guy – you know, people talk about Pavel Buchnevich. I like him a lot as well, but he, he's just kind of aloof at times. You really, he's like a cat. Like, you really don't know if he's engaged, if he's happy, if he's upset. He has that kind of, like, uh, same demeanor all the time, whereas uh, Kravtsov is a little bit of a different. He's more, I guess, uh, enthusiastic. You can tell when he's really locked in, and he, he has a great attitude. He's got a smile on his face. So I, I think that the fans are really going to like him, and you know, even if Wallstrom, granted, he, you know, he went to the Islanders and he's probably going to be playing on a line with uh, either John Tavares or Matt Barzell in a couple of years, and you got to figure he's going to score himself uh, 30, 35 goals a year. He's got that kind of upside, if not more. Uh, so it's going to be tough uh, if that works out for them and it doesn't work out for the Ranger fans. But at the same time, I think from an overall upside standpoint, very, very similar you know, I had Wallstrom, I believe, nine, and Kravtsov, I think I had a 15. But in terms of wingers, they were right behind each other. 
That's great. So, yeah, I mean, well, Rangers fans are all hoping he reaches that ceiling because he looks like he could be a really special player a year or two down the way, down the road in Broadway. So we move down the board. The next Rangers was time the Rangers were supposed to pick was 26. They make a trade with the Ottawa Senators to move up to 22, and they pick Keandre Miller, defenseman from the U.S. National Development Program. Personally, I was thrilled with this pick because I remember you would come on the podcast a little earlier in the year, and you said that this kid could be one of the best skating defensemen overall in the entire draft if he hits his ceiling. Uh, this kid's massive, 6'5", over 200 pounds. Seems like a bit of a risk, but, man, if this kid feel, fills out, it seems like he could be a really special player on the future of the Rangers' blue line. Yeah, and I think some of the people, I know I've been critical of the Rangers draft, and that I think they're confusing, uh, you know, my, my, I guess, anger now more like disappointment in the pick is, is more with the fact that what they had to trade to get it uh, than, than the pick itself. Because I've been speaking glowingly of Miller all year, really from the, the, the very beginning of the season. I think he can be that type of player where he could be uh, on a top pairing, he could be a shutdown guy. He could be, a, you know, just that instant breakout. He's obviously still new to the position. Uh, if you watched him play this year, he didn't – the thing I liked about Miller the most is he never really looked like a kid that was new to the position. He just – either he really did a good job of masking it well or he truly was a fast learner and was able to, uh, to, to really cover up for a lot of mistakes his partners were making, whether it be a guy like – uh, Bodie Wild or, uh, you know, Spencer Stasny or, you know, Ty Emerson, whoever his partner was, it just seems like Miller was that safety net. Uh, I think I don't I, – the problem that I had is that I just don't see him being a number one. I don't see him becoming that elite star defenseman uh, that's going to get Yanar's trophy votes. Uh, I, you know, he, he when I was at the U18 Five Nations tournament in uh, February, which pretty much every scout and GM in the world were there because – you had so many high-end talent, uh, uh, talented prospects were there for the draft. Uh, you know, he, he, he was doing really wonderful things with the puck. He was assertive. He was aggressive. He was taking pucks deep. He was making nice plays. He was making plays at the right moment. So it's not a kid that got, uh, I guess, uh, I guess uh, you know, the spotlight kind of slowed him down. He, he, was, he, he was fine with all the eyes on him. And on top of that, from what I understand, he was a, he's a very mature kid. He, he interviewed great. They like his maturity. They like the fact that he's uh, well-spoken and he, he kind of, he's, he's just a fast learner. He's a really good overall kid. Uh, my, obviously the, and I, I pose this question to a lot of people, not just on Twitter, but you know, the message boards and also, uh, you know, just regular discussion with the, some Ranger fans is if I told you on June 18th or May 21st that the Rangers are going to trade 26 and 48 uh, in order to draft Miller, you know, what would you think about that? I think the overwhelming majority of people would be pretty upset with it. Now, you know, of course, the Rangers are going to say, this is the kid that we had to get, and Minnesota was going to take him, or Anaheim was going to take him, and blah, blah, blah. But it's just another story of the Rangers overpaying to take a player that, in all seriousness, I mean, he could be a very good NHL player. I don't think he's going to be a great NHL player. Uh, and I do think that there were players still available uh, around that area, specifically Rasmus Sandin, uh, that had a higher upside because of the offensive part of the game. Right now with Miller, we don't know what he could be offensively. He didn't play on the power play this year. He's not the kind of guy that was uh, creating a lot from the back end. He was a very safe, clean player in terms of his points coming from uh, really just stretch passes here and, here and there. And, uh, you know, maybe sometimes he 
skate the puck into the offensive zone and make a quick pass to zone and it ended up in the back of the net. But he, he wasn't like a, you know, for Ranger fans, he wasn't like a Zuboff or a Leach uh, or, you know, an Eric Carlson or anything like that. And I felt like in this draft, you had a couple of players that had that. You just, if you watched them play all year, and you could even say Bodie Wild, his teammate was one of them, where Bodie Wild, when he's locked in, he's unstoppable. I mean, he was an offensive force. He's a wonderful skater, a skater like Scott Niedermeyer. Uh, to me, I think Wild is a better skater than Miller. Uh, you know, obviously the uh, the issues with Wild were his, uh, I guess, defensive shortcomings that I think are a little bit overstated. But when you look at a pure upside pick, to me, uh, the upside for Miller is there. I just don't see it as a number one. And I think that's why I got a little bit upset with the pick was that they overpaid for it. And I know some people might say, hey, well, if it works out, then you could say the overpayment was worth it. But if you look at the player that Ottawa took with that pick at number 48, Johnny Tyconic, that was a kid. Now, that's a kid that has a lot of offensive abilities and a lot of skill, and he could skate as well. Maybe not as good as defensively, but then again, you know, Brian Leach and Sergei Zubov, and I keep using those two because the Rangers won a cup with them. There's a reason why they won a cup with those two guys running the points on the power play and being those, you know, really the, the, their top two defensemen uh, is because of the fact that their abilities to have to make plays with the puck and be assertive and be creative and that world-class vision that not a lot of players have. And with all due respect to Miller, I, I just don't see, I don't think I've ever seen it in the two years I've been watching him. So I, I think when all is said and done, he's going to be a very good player. It would be a, almost like a safe pick. He'll probably play, you know, 800 to 1,000 games in the NHL maybe, and it'll always validate it. But I really wanted them to, to go swing for the fences uh, and draft a, a, a guy that I thought had the size, the strength, and the vision, the creativity uh, to give them that dynamic that they haven't had in so long. It's been a long time. Uh, so that's the one thing that I really upset me about the pick. But overall, I think if you're looking at a pure skill and uh, talent standpoint, it is a good pick, and he went exactly right around the area where I thought it, he'd go, except I thought he'd go to a playoff team that didn't really need him as mm-hmm. much as they'd go, you know, let's say to the Rangers who – who desperately need a number one defenseman and haven't had one in a while. And I just don't think that Miller's going to be that player, but you know, we never know. Right. Before we continue on, I'd like to welcome my co-host, John Luke Shapiro to the show. John Luke, how are you? Hello. Hello, everybody. I've made, I've late, but hello, I've made it. How is everybody doing tonight? Good. Great. Good. I, I was just finishing up talking about Keandre Miller with Steve here. And uh, so uh, one more thing about Miller. When I was looking at footage of this guy, it seems like he can really like shut down passing lanes and shut down kind of guys in the neutral zone really well. So um, I don't know if you've seen that as well from him, but it seems like yeah, having absolutely. someone like that, yeah, even without maybe the high-end high offensive talent that some of the other D-men have, could someone like that be a really good guy on maybe, maybe he's not your top offensive threat, but he's a really good stay-at-home guy. And I, would, you, I think he could excel in a position like that ultimately in maybe a few years. Yeah, and I agree with you. The problem is that they acquired three uh, guys at the deadline that could do the exact same thing. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, Lindgren, obviously Lindgren and Rico probably don't skate as well as Miller, but they're better defensively, uh, at least from the, from the blue line in, whereas Libor Hayek can skate as well as Miller isn't as big, but obviously he's been a number one defenseman for several years in a lot of his teams, uh, plays in the power play, things like that. So I, I wondered, uh, you know, they acquired all these, these talented lefty defensemen at the deadline. 
and then on top of that, they have Brady Shea already at the NHL level, and he's you know still pretty young. And now you add Miller into that mix. You really have five defensemen that you know you want to say they paid a hefty price to get them, whether it be using a first round pick on a guy like Shea or trading uh, one of their top players at the deadline uh, to acquire a first round pick. Uh, you know, you, trading a guy like Rick Nash, you know, who's one of their star players, uh, trading a guy like, uh, uh, you know, Ryan McDonough, you know, you know, and JT Miller, your captain, you get a guy like Rikov back, so, uh, not Rikov, uh, Hayek. So I'm wondering, like, at, at some point, there's going to be too many cooks in that kitchen, and it's going to basically be up to, I guess, two of them to validate the trade that was made because if you get if you if one of those kids becomes a bottom pairing defenseman and plays 12 to 14 minutes a night probably wasn't that great of a trade to make in the first place or that great of a draft pick to make in the first place so that's really the issue that i have is okay like he's he's a lefty he's almost uh, he's almost like redundant within the organization right now so uh, maybe you could say that gives them more asset flexibility when they're they are going to be contending and they can maybe trade one of them to get uh, I guess is a more established veteran in return. But again, I felt like, you know, to swing for the fences, uh, I think there were, there might've been better players on the board at that point, but in terms of his defense, yes, I think he's, he's good. He stands up at the, at the blue line. He's got a long reach, very tough to go around. Uh, doesn't really make egregious mistakes with the puck. Doesn't really take hor- horrendous risks that put his partner in jeopardy. But again, it goes back to the fact that I think that they have, you know, three or four guys already in the organization that do the same thing. So it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. Right. So the third pick of the first round, we go to 28, and the Rangers get a kid from Lulia in the Swedish Hockey League, uh, Nils Lundqvist. Now, Sam Rosen, I said this in my post, good luck uh, in a few years with Lundqvist, Lundqvist, and Lundqvist all on the team. Um, Yeah. So – how does this guy fit in? Because I'll admit, this is a guy I knew probably the least of out of the three first-round picks. I know he's very young, and he had a pretty good like season when they called him up to Lulia. Uh, so what can you tell us about Nils, and was this a good pick at 28 for them to make? I think – so the first thing you notice about Lundqvist is, is, is his speed uh, and, his, and he, how uh, decisive he is. He's, he's a fearless kid with the puck. He's not the biggest kid out there, and you really, he, he looks like he's about 14. Uh, but when you watch him on the ice and you watch him play against all the competition in the SHL, he really played fearless. He, he didn't care that he was going one-on-four, uh, and so you like to see that in a young kid. Uh, I got a chance to see him uh, at Plymouth at the same tournament I talked about, and uh, he was actually on the, same, on the same pairing with Adam Buquist, so two righties on the same pairing. Uh, not the whole entire tournament, but just I think the two games that I watched, they were together. In addition to that, they were together on the power play. And so it was interesting to see, like, okay, well, here you got Adam Buchwist, this elite guy. People saying he's the next Eric Carlson. And how is that going to maybe change the way that Lundquist plays? Uh, and it really didn't. The kid, uh, he was pretty, uh, like I said, decisive with the puck. He loves to take it end to end. He could, you know, he has, he's agile. Uh, great edge work. Uh, he's really tough to, I guess, contain. Uh, really difficult to, uh, I guess, uh, you know, knock off the puck for someone his size, especially when he's in full flight. Uh, I think his vision's pretty good. He could spot the open man. So once he takes the puck deep, it's not like he's like this uh, wild horse who's kind of unbridled and is running around crazy with the puck, not knowing what to do with it. He actually makes pretty good decisions. Uh, I think he went maybe a full round higher than uh, than I expected. I know a lot of people had him ranked as a 
as I guess a bottom bottom of the first round pick, maybe top of the second round pick, somewhere in the middle. Uh, the biggest thing that I have with him is really just his uh, his defensive zone play. Uh, you read very scouting reports. Uh, they kind of differ from what I have to say. I'm not saying I'm an expert, but uh, every time I've watched him, really a lot of issues in, in the defensive zone, issues that have plagued the Rangers for the last couple of years, and that's really slot coverage, uh, chasing the wrong man, not knowing when to release from the slot and go after a guy, uh, decision-making, puck management inside the own end, turnovers. Uh, he, you know, sometimes the decisions he makes with the puck when he decides to rush up the ice, as I said, he is fearless, but that, that means that he makes a lot of mistakes. So I think if he could find, somehow find a way to control uh, what he does, because he does play with poise under a heavy forecheck, uh, it's when he escapes that forecheck, he, he sometimes he, it's like, seems like he gets really excited and, uh, you know, stays to the outside and you know, maybe gets trapped or puts himself in a precarious position. So I think he does have the ability to run a power play. Uh, the fact that he's a righty, it's going to be interesting to see how that fits in with, uh, you know, the system because of Neil Pionk and what a, he, uh, what a season, the, the, the rookie season that he had this past year, especially with the fact that he didn't have sheltered minutes, was really, really impressive. So if you have uh, those two righties on the top two panels, let's say in the perfect scenario where everything works out, I think Lundqvist is a guy that you could work with. Uh, shot isn't too overpowering. It's basically an average shot. But uh, the fact that he ha- he's this young kid and he's still growing up and he has this really great mentality and an attitude towards the game, I think when all is said and done, I think it was a pretty decent pick. I don't want to say it's a home run because, again, I think there were this, this draft was so – was loaded with players like him, quick skating, uh, offensive-minded defensemen that know how to play with pace and uh, conduct on home run passes, create plays once they cross center, and uh, you know trap trap force checkers, open up lanes, create time and space for everybody else, things like that. There, there was a lot of guys, so I think the reason why I might have not been too happy with the pick at the time was that uh, he wasn't my guy. You know, I think there was some guys right, that would have taken right. over Lundqvist, but. When all is said and done, I think you got to be happy with, with his upside. And I think, listen, if you have the idea that Miller and Lundqvist could be on a, on a pairing together and, uh, you know, second pairing and one of them being Lundqvist on the power play all the time, it'll, it'll work out. So I think overall I would give their first round, uh, collectively I'd give it like a, like a B plus or, or, or an A minus. Uh, I think the thing that really hurt the first round, though, was, was the, the cost of a a middle second rounder in a very deep draft with that first round, that second round that was really a first rounder uh, mm-hmm. because of the quality of the depth in the, of the uh, prospect pool. So I think that might hurt the overall grade, but I, I think overall you're looking at three very good players, but in terms of star potential, I think without a doubt, Kravtsov is the one that has it. Right. So uh, JL, you want to start about uh, things about the second round and beyond? Well, I can tell you this right now, just from what I've seen, I haven't really got a chance to look at some of the picks from the second round. I just know that it, the recurring thing for, theme, at least for me, from what I saw, is that the Rangers are looking for players who are not only fast but also good with, the, with, the, with their hands. You know, one of the things that I think this team lacked for many, 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 many years was just players who knew how to handle the puck. And it seems like they really tried to get that type of player in the second and third rounds. So... I haven't really done much of my research on that just yet. I've seen some of the names. I've looked some of it briefly, but from what I was able to get, just good hands, quick skating, you know, something to probably fill the holes for third line, fourth line. I mean, who knows? I mean, Bucinavich was a second liner, or a not second liner, excuse me. Bucinavich was a late-round pick, so you never really know what you can really get from them. So, you know, that's just my take on it. 
you can definitely tell just by the picks that they're definitely trying to go for what they want in the rebuild. So yeah. it's just, you know, they're sticking with their guns, which is a good thing. You know, they didn't jump the gun. They didn't try and do any crazy things with the picks in terms of trading them. I know they traded for the, uh, for the Ottawa pick in the first round, but other than that, that's, that's commonplace. So it seems yeah. like they stuck to the script on what they wanted to do. And you know what? Honestly, that's refreshing considering this team has made – you know, monumental mistakes when it comes to dealing their picks. Like I know, what was it? One of the prospects they sent over for Eric Stahl seems like he's doing pretty good in the Carolina system, if I'm correct. Yeah. So it's good to see that. It's good to see that the team is actually trying to stock the system with players that they want, rebuild that yeah. depth that they were missing over the last couple of years. So that's just my take on it. So, in the second round with their first pick at 39, they picked a goaltender, Olaf Lind- Lindbaum. So. This one is the one I didn't completely understand. And Steve, maybe you can shed some light on this one. But uh, second round was Olaf Lindbaum. And I feel like a goalie is a position of strength that the organization has, especially with Igor Shishirkin and uh, Tyler Wall and Adam Huska. So why do you think they went goalie with 39 here? Uh, I really don't know. I mean, they'll tell you that they, they feel like he was the best player available and they didn't want to run the risk of losing him. Uh, you know, I, it's kind of like a situation where Benoit Lair, let's just say hypothetically that he was banging down Gorton's door and banging down uh, Gordy Clark's door and saying, you have to draft this guy in the second round. You have to, well, you know, I don't think Benoit Lair actually said that. I don't think that's his job is to assess where players get drafted and whatever, uh, as much as his, his job to fix the goalies uh, mechanical issues and turn them into quality NHL players. Uh, I think if he if his job is just to tell the GM and the scouting director, hey, we have to have this player, uh, then it's up to the GM and the and the scouting director and the assistant GM to figure out well well what like I guess where, what's his standing within the scouting community where people I guess where where's he projected to go can we maybe run the risk of waiting until the third round is he the kind of goalie that if we pass on him in the second round or the third round. Is it going to be a catastrophic, colossal mistake that we're going to really kicking ourselves over? Uh, or is it something that if we, if we do get him in the third or fourth round and we use that extremely valuable second-round pick, high second-round pick on a, on a player that has real game-breaking ability, specifically a forward or, uh, like I said, another playmaking defenseman, that's the issue that I had with the pick. It just seems like they felt like he was the best guy available I don't think anybody project- – now, here's the thing. In, in all fairness to the Rangers, I've been, I've been really bashed in the last couple of days, but I'm pretty sure that, you know, you could say the same thing about Henrik Lundqvist back in 2000 where, you know, people might have said, well, he wasn't ranked that high on our list. And so, like, you know, people are basically knocking the Limbaugh pick because uh, he was, like, the fifth-rated goalie on the list or the, the eighth-rated goalie on most rankings or what have you. Uh, well, I mean, look at Henrik Lundqvist. Where, where did he stand back in 2000? You know, I could tell you mm-hmm. wasn't that wasn't all that high. Uh, so, it, in that regard, you could say the Rangers might uh, have been willing to, to I guess, go against conventional wisdom and take a chance on a kid that might work out. But to go back to what you said, what does that say about their faith in Igor Shosturkin? What does that say about their faith in Adam Huska, uh, Tyler Wall? These are all really good goalie prospects that they got in later rounds. And, and of course, Georgiev in the, the, you know, the, the way that he played and he really cost them nothing. The only thing that I could think of, to be honest with you, is expansion. So if, if they think that the league is going to be adding anywhere from 
uh, two to three more teams within the next couple of years, then it helps to have as many goalies as you can uh, because eventually you might lose a really good one. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. it happened uh, in previous expansion drafts, and I always felt like uh, the year before an expansion team arrives, that uh, you know, basically draft. Uh, Lou Lamorello did it back in 2000, uh, well, 1997, I believe. Uh, I think it was 97, where he drafted a French-Canadian goalie named Jean-Francois Danfous, and people are like, why is he drafting a goalie when he's got Martin Brodeur? Well, the reason why was because in 98, 99, 2000, 2001, the league was going to add four new teams, and you want to have that, oh, I guess, that yeah. top cover. Oh. So, I, I don't know. I don't know if, uh, if I agree with the pick at all. I think it was an overdraft. Uh, I, you know, I think the kid from a talent standpoint is very good. Uh, definitely not as athletic and as quick as Henrik Lundqvist. He's uh, more of a, a static kind of goalie, very good positionally. He's very rigid. He's, I guess, uh, mechanically, uh, he's okay at this point. Uh, but, you know, obviously he's got good size. But, uh, again, I think, I, I mean, I think the Rangers are the only ones that are happy with this pick. And, now obviously, you know, Mr. Limbaum and his family, uh, maybe some of the people that he knows in his life. But, overall, I think that they, they, they could have gotten a uh, – that goalie or maybe even a similar goalie with just as much upside. But the truth is we're not going to know what this kid is for another four or five years. So let's just say yeah. that he does become a good player within three years. But what if Shostakovich at that point is the best in the caliber goalie? Then you basically just threw away the chance of getting a pretty, uh, you know, forward or d- defensive yeah. with that pick instead of a goalie you could have gotten in a later round. Exactly. And I mean, that was the biggest thing I was seeing with a lot of people was if you have a guy like Igor Shashirkin, who is just shattering records every season he's been playing in the KHL and, you know, I'm, I'm big on Adam Huska as well. I, I, I didn't understand, but you know, Benoit Lair seems to be the goalie whisperer. So if he likes him, I'm sure there's something about him that Rangers brass wanted to grab. So moving on, we had a grouping of three defensemen with the next three picks coming in at 70, 88, and 101. Jacob Ragnarsson uh, from Almtuna, Joey Keane from the Barry Colts, and Nico Gross from the Oshawa Generals. Admittedly, the only one who I was familiar with was Joey Keane because I had heard his name mentioned a bunch this year that he really had a strong showing for Barry. Uh, the other two I'm not as familiar with. So, Steve, out of those three, which three do you think will be able to make the jump, if any, and which which of them do you think was overall the best out of that grouping of three defensemen? I think in terms of, of upside, I guess. I mean, it depends on how you really want to look at it. Gross is a lot like Keandre Miller. Uh, maybe you could say he's a lot like uh, Ryan Lindgren, where he's, a, he's a, a big lefty defenseman who's got very good wheels, not blazing speed, but good mobility uh, to escape uh, pressure, but... He was a kid that I had ranked in my first round to start the year off. He's a Swiss kid, played at all the big tournaments. I got to see him uh, play a lot. Uh, was always a kid that the, uh, the Swiss national team wanted to play, uh, even if he was maybe two or three years younger than the, other, the rest of the team. He played some time in the, in, the, uh, in the Swedish Elite League. So he was a clean player, a really good mobile uh, shutdown. I don't want to say shutdown, but a, just a good overall defender, right? Nothing really flashy, but he just did everything right. And uh, he was, you know, expected to go pretty high in the draft. He was a high import pick in the Canadian Hockey League. And I'm guessing he had some, uh, he had mono to start the year in Oshawa. He came over from Switzerland to play North America. And on top of that, obviously a a little bit of a culture shock. And 
I'm not going to mince words. He, he had a very bad year. He had a bad – he just didn't play like uh, uh, he played in years past. If it was uh, the fact that he was dealing with mono, uh, that, that definitely uh, could explain it, uh, possibly even excuse it. So I think the upside with him is pretty high. But, again, it goes back to that, what I said earlier, is like he, where does he fit? Uh, is he going to become uh, a top uh, pairing defenseman? Probably not. I think his upside is more of like a good support guy like an Anton Shawman. Uh, at least in the beginning of his career, that might turn into something better. Uh, but you're not going to get a whole lot of offense from him. I mean, that's just the way it is. But then again, look at where he was picked. Uh, Ragnarsson, you know, his dad played in the NHL. Uh, I like him a lot. He, he played in the uh, Allsvenskan, which is, of course, the, the Swedish minor league to the RSHL. Uh, didn't really look out of place. A very reliable puck mover. Not flashy, but aggressive. He likes to definitely skate the puck past center and take it deep. He's a guy that knows how to handle the puck. Uh, again, not the kind of guy that's going to basically dart into the zone and weave and pivot and, and spin away from checks and uh, kind of do a no-look uh, backhand pass to an open guy at the side of the net. That's really not his game. Uh, he can play in the power play. He's got a pretty good shot. He's got good hands, so he could handle tough passes. So I think overall it was a good pick. I think maybe he's not going to be the kind of guy that uh, is really going to wow you, but at the same time he's, you know, he plays the right side. Uh, so he has that kind of potential for them, which they, they don't have a whole lot of uh, – they don't have a log jam when it comes to right, the right side of the defense. The one thing that I, I do caution Ranger fans is that you got to look at the names taken immediately after him. Jakub Lauko, Blake McLaughlin, uh, these guys have very high ceilings. These are forwards that uh, really bring you out of your seat with offensive abilities. So you just have to – you got to be careful uh, with that. But I think the Rangers have had pretty good luck with their third-round picks in the past. So I think maybe he has that ability. And plus they, they seem to like kids with NHL uh, pedigree, uh, you know, uh, lineage uh, with, uh, you know, their, their dads or their grandfathers or their uncles played in the NHL. So I think that helps. Uh, so I, I actually like to pick a little bit, uh, but again, it's going to be judged on not only what he becomes, but what the, the kids after him uh, picked uh, become. And now as far as Joey King goes, listen, I, if you watch the 2016 Holenka where Team USA almost pulled it out, he was their best defenseman, very mobile, very assertive, uh, confident puck rusher, really good speed. Uh, he's got good size, very good shot. He could, he's a playmaker. And uh, he was supposed to go to college. I think he was supposed to go to Michigan State, if I'm, if I'm uh, right. And he, he decided to decommit, and then he headed over to, the, to Barry to play in the OHL. And he had a really rough year, and this was his draft year. So a kid that looked like uh, almost a first-round pick or maybe a second-round pick to the start off his draft year a year ago uh, looked really, really out of shape. And not only out of shape, out of place, excuse me. And so this year he bounced back. He was basically Barry's number one defenseman. He was the power play quarterback. He, he was the guy initiating the breakouts. He was basically the guy the coach had on the ice late in the game. His defense improved tremendously. Uh, and you watch them play with a guy like Andre Svechnikov. See, what I look for in puck moving defensemen is, is, is do they feed into their, their teammates' strengths? And it just seemed like Keane was able to do that with Svechnikov especially and Sokolov. Dmitry Sokolov ended up uh, getting traded to Barry later in the year. So, uh, you know, he's an overager, so he, could, he should have been – I always say he should have been drafted a year ago. Uh, but overall, considering where he was picked, I think he's, he's got decent upside. And, uh, again, you know, you got a right-handed defenseman that could uh, possibly become – a uh, really good uh, bottom pairing option in place in power, time in the power play. Awesome. So the last three picks of the first of the of the draft for the Rangers: 132, 163, 
And the second to last pick of the entire draft with 216. At 132, they pick Lori Pajuniemi of TPS in Finland. 163, they pick Simon Gelberg of Rogel uh, in the Altsmanskan. And the, at 216, I've actually heard some really positive things about this kid, Riley Hughes from Sioux Falls in the USHL. So, uh, Steve, if you want to start with Riley Hughes here before you go on to the other two, uh, I have seen some people really saying that the Rangers did well with this pick. And why is that? What about him? Why did they feel the need to trade a pick to get this kid? Well, I mean, he's a New England area kid. He's going to Northeastern uh, next year, or not maybe not next year, probably in about two years, because he hasn't played a full year in the uh, in the USHL yet. Uh, played for St. Sebastian's. It's one of the big powerhouse hockey programs in Massachusetts. Uh, he's basically a power forward. He, he's, a, he's got really good speed, a really good shot. Uh, I don't want to say he's like Chris Kreider, but he, he plays that type of style. Maybe not as physical as he should be. Uh, take advantage of him. The, the if you look at the upside, if you could just kind of tweak some things and figure things out, uh, you know, it's one of those situations with power forwards are tough because if, when they're engaged and locked in, they're so dominant, but you can't really, it's not sustainable to do that for an entire game or even really for a, for a string of games. And so you see a lot of these power forwards when they're young and they really understand the game all too much, except rely on their physical gifts is they run out of gas. Uh, and then they're prone to more bad decisions and uh, some sloppy things with the puck. So I think from an upside standpoint, yes, it's high because of where he was drafted and what he could do with the puck, his shot, his speed, his size. Is, he's a pretty good passer too. He's not a bad passer. Uh, I got a chance to see him play uh, when he was in the USHL. He was only there for a couple games, and I'm not going to mince words. It was a mess. But uh, it, it, was, it was from a decision-making standpoint, hockey sense IQ, uh, putting his teammates in bad positions, that's stuff like that. You could always chalk it up to jitters or uh, maybe trying to uh, establish himself in a league that he just joined and maybe trying to do too much. But, uh, yeah, 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 I understand that he was, uh, he was a kid that they probably favored, and uh, it makes sense. Listen, seventh-round pick, it's hard to be uh, too angry at them. I know I gave him a pretty bad grade uh, on the pick. Uh, the thing is it, it was more had to do with uh, they were – there were some players from the USHL that were still on the board that I felt were better. So I'm trying to figure out, you look at a guy like Alex Steves, same player, right? He's a right wing, uh, but also could play center. Uh, phenomenal five-on-five production. He was about 20-goal score. He's got speed. He's got size. He kills penalties. He, he's always on the ice uh, late in games. So he's a proven kid. Uh, who had a great USHL rookie year, really, really stood out. And he's got that build. He's got the speed. He's got the shot. And they decided to go for a kid that didn't prove himself in the USHL and has the same skill set, but maybe not as smart. So it was just odd. Like, you know, maybe one day we'll figure out why they chose Hughes over a guy like Steve's. uh, Same league, same type of skill set, I guess, except one is smart and the other one is not. Uh, but, uh, again, if, if things work out for a kid like uh, like uh, Hughes, then, you know, it'll make him look really smart. Now, I think it's, like I said, you, you let him go to college for a couple of years. Northeastern's a great program. Uh, they're on the, up, uh, on the upswing. So, it's, it'll be interesting to see how he produces and progresses over the next couple of years. Right. So, just give us a little bit about Pajuni, Emmy, and Jelberg. I know that they're – Jelberg, that pick a lot of people aren't a fan of. And Pajuniemi, I don't know much about either. So just give us a little on each of those two guys. 
Uh, well, Pejuniemi is uh, was uh, plays for TPS. He, he's played for the Finnish under eighteen team at a couple of events. Uh, I saw him. I think it was November of sixteen uh, when I got a chance to watch him play up close and personal. So the first thing you notice about him is his speed and his shot. He's a goal scoring winger. I think the Rangers. I saw plenty of him when they were scouting Patrick Verda, who was their uh, their pick uh, last year and one of the top, uh, I guess, junior scorers in the in the elite uh, SM Liga in Finland. So he's that kind of player. I wouldn't say he's a 200-foot player. He's more like a, a, an offensive-minded winger that can score goals, uses speed effectively, uh, can be uh, sometimes be a little bit of a perimeter player. But overall, I think, uh, you know, he's a draft overage, but not by much. I think his date of birth, uh, he just missed eligibility for 2018 last year uh, and he didn't get drafted. So I think, again, it's one of those kids where they went to TPS and they were watching Verda play and they probably just took some notes on uh, this Penjuniemi kid and said, hey, if he's around late in the next year's draft or this year's draft, uh, let's give it a go and see what happens. But uh, I think overall, uh, you know, you look at the type of skills he has. Obviously, the Rangers will look into address some deficiencies in the system uh, or in the farm system uh, in the wing position. And that's why they're looking for these goal scores. You have a guy like Hughes, a guy like Peju Niemi and a guy like Kravtsov, obviously different uh, upsides and different skill sets. But uh, the one thing that all three can do is I guess, score goals. And eventually it's uh, like I said, if you bring a guy like Verda over and you put him on the same line with Peju Niemi, you might have some magic. So uh, like I said, uh, as far as Shelberg goes, oh, I mean, listen, it, his dad is a scout with the Rangers. If you watched him play, if you even talk to the European scouts that watched him play a lot, he's just a, he's very basically a very basic player, uh, decent decent mobility. But uh, overall, I mean, he's really more of a stay at home type. But I don't really see him ever progressing anything above uh, a bottom pairing. But then again, if you get that out of a such a late round pick, then uh, you did your job. But again, it goes back to what I've been saying from the very beginning. It's like a common theme where there were just – you look at all the defensemen that were left that didn't get drafted, uh, Lee Borzabransky from the Czech Republic, Dan- Danila Galeniuk, and Anton Malashev, the two Russian kids. Like, what, what games were the Rangers scouts watching? I mean, if they were at Plymouth or they were at, uh, in Hamelino, they were at all these tournaments, were they not watching what everybody else really saw? I mean, these are kids that everybody had ranked pretty high. Central Scouting had them ranked pretty high. Now, of course, we don't know what really goes on behind closed doors. They could have been bad interviews. They could have been uh, some off-ice issues that prevented them from taking these kids because no, no one ended up taking them. Uh, but in terms of what was uh, what you could find in a, in a late-round pick, if you're looking for a defenseman uh, who could shut things down and, and be mobile and also have a, a somewhat of an upside in terms of uh, point production – I don't know why they really went for that pick. And then on the surface, it looks like some type of nepotism was going on. But listen, it, we don't know. We really don't know. It just yeah. it seems kind of – maybe it's a coincidence. Maybe it's not. But uh, you know, it's the pick that's kind of confusing to me. And when I watched him play, I never felt like he was a superior prospect to any of the players that were left on the table. Right. So that was the draft the Rangers had. And uh, now we see what the battles shape up to in training camp. We see if any of these guys – uh, I think out of all these guys, the only one that could even have a shot at making the team next season would even be Kravtsov, but even that seems a bit of a stretch. This seems like a draft specifically tailored to at least one or two years down the line. You think that's fair to say? Yeah, I think so. I think that uh, if, if ownership uh, basically told the team that, hey, we'll, we'll, we'll give you guys the same amount of time that we gave the Knicks, 
where uh, we want it to be the, the rebuild done the right way through the draft, through prospects. Uh, to the Rangers' credit, uh, everybody assessed this draft as a draft that was going to be strong in two-way defensemen, and the Rangers basically tried to exploit that. So to them, I give them credit for that because next year's draft is very deep with centers. So, mm-hmm. you know, you're not going to have a, 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 as many opportunities to take those game-breaking, game-changing type of uh, offensive defensemen. And the thing about next year's draft as well is even the few defensemen that you do have, there's only like a, a couple that can maybe even be remotely compared to an Adam Buquist or a Quinn Hughes. Actually, I don't even think there are any in terms of their, their flair and their uh, finesse and, and ability to create uh, plays. So uh, it's one of those situations where I think that they, they had, uh, you know, I guess uh, it seemed like a coherent strategy, at least uh, beforehand. They kept the picks uh, heading into the draft, and then how it unfolded after that, listen, it's going to be scrutinized. They, they, like I said, they, a lot of kids that a lot of people were high on went to not only uh, teams that uh, have a good history of developing players and drafting players, but teams within the division uh, and rival teams like the Islanders and the Flyers. So, uh, like I said, I think some – it's sad. It's just how it is that drafts usually get assessed uh, – you know, four or five years down the road, not only yeah. who you drafted, but really who you didn't draft. And you didn't uh, draft. so, yep. you know, one cup in 80 years, uh, the draft is a, is a big reason why. So uh, just kind of cross your fingers and, and hope things hope turn out the best. Out. So our last question for you today, before we let you go, um, it's already, it's a year away. We have time to prepare for it, but uh, the next draft will be in Vancouver in 19. 19- so, as you said, it's very center-heavy, very forward-heavy next year, as this year was more defense-heavy. Quickly, who do you think will be one, two, three, four, five next year? Who are the top five prospects that fans should look forward to in the 19 draft? This draft was obviously dominated by Dolin and Svechnikov. Who will be the guys at the top of the 19 draft when teams go to the stage in Vancouver? Well, I think right now it's, it's Jack Hughes' draft to lose. Excuse me. I think if you look at what he did, not really just what he did when he was 16 years old, uh, but you know, as a 17-year-old, when he came over to the uh, on the right team program, basically got a promotion about midway through the season, uh, and he's playing on that top line and he's producing about two points a game, and then he goes to the under 18 World Championships and is the best player at the under 18 World Championships. You have to say that uh, you know. Like I said, the superlatives are all there, the speed, the finesse, the vision. The, the vision's out of control. I mean, I'm not saying he's Connor McDavid, uh, but there's a lot of similarities. I don't think he has, I guess, the power, the size and the power that McDavid has, especially the way he generates it when he's, uh, when he's skating, uh, you know, basically down the ice. But Hughes is that kind of a player. He's just a, a, an elite, dynamic uh, a playmaker, setup guy, but also the way that he finishes, the way he could finish around the net. He could roof backhand is literally uh, from the goal mouth. And so things, players like that don't come around all too often. So I think right now he's got a pretty firm grip on first overall, but he's got a teammate in Alex Turcott uh, that plays a very similar game. I'm not going to say that Turcott is like Jack Hughes, but if you watch the two and you watch what Turcott can do and, He's no relation to X-Ranger Darren Turcott. He's, I think, Alfie Turcott's son. Alfie Turcott used to play for the, I believe, the Winnipeg Jets back in the day. But uh, those two are just two of, I'd say, maybe six or seven centers. I think second overall right now, you know, there's a center out of, I think he's from the Maritimes, but he's playing in the BCHL, uh, and his name is Alex Newhook. 
and uh, he, he plays for Victoria in the BCHL, and he's going to go to Boston College. I don't know if he's going to go next year, maybe in two years, but this kid is phenomenal. He's a power center. Uh, he's a little bit different than Hughes in terms of uh, stature and size and strength and balance. But, uh, you know, this kid, he's phenomenal to watch. So he's a kid I could see going, going second or third. If really, those top three centers. Listen, we, we looked at the draft this year. We saw what Arizona and Montreal did. They took, they took centers ahead of uh, centers that we really didn't think were rated all that high or would have gone all that high, and they, they took them very early. So uh, I wouldn't be shocked to see it go one, two, three, Hughes, uh, maybe, and then a mix of, uh, you know, Alex Turcott. Uh, Alex Newhook, and then you got the, the three centers out of the WHL in, in Peyton Krebs, uh, Kirby Datch, and I'm missing uh, another guy. It's uh, I'm forgetting uh, Cousins, Dylan Cousins. So you have those three. Also, it's a very good uh, draft of centers. The other guy that might sneak into the top five, or at least right now, it looks like he's got a pretty uh, good grip on it is the Finnish winger, Capo Caco. He's got a great name, but he's got great size. Fantastic name. Fantastic name. Yeah, (laughs) if you watch him play, and not just what he did at the under-18s, because obviously he put on on quite a show, but this kid loves having the puck on his stick. He's about 6'3 or 6'2, but he's growing. He's just a – his agility is off the charts for such a big kid, Uh, the way that he cuts and he dangles and he maneuvers, and he's actually a lot like Vitaly Kravtsov, uh, maybe his vision's a little bit better, but uh, you know, his passing. So I think right off the bat, you're going to see probably see a lot of forwards taken up top uh, with Kako uh, right now. Maybe Raphael Lavoie from Halifax in the Quebec League, another similar big-bodied goal scorer like Kako. Uh, I think that's that's just uh, some names off the top of my head that you're going to see. But right now, it's I think it's safe to say that Jack Hughes is going to be that that first pick, barring uh, you know something catastrophic happening. Yeah. Steve, thank you so much for joining us again. It was great to have you on the show. I'm sure we'll have you on again in the fall once the opening night roster is decided and some of these picks are hopefully on the team. And with that, I mean, I'm sure you're going to take a little bit of a break now. The draft is over, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm taking a break. I'm done. I, I'm uh, <laughs> Really, it's, it's a, an 11-month process, and the one month that, I, that I'm not really involved too much is is right after the draft until the uh, the World Junior Summer Showcase uh, kicks off. Uh, I believe it's in Vancouver this year or somewhere in Western Canada. So that's going to kick off sometime in late July. So I'll be I'll be off the grid for a couple of weeks, and then uh, you got the World Junior Summer Showcase, where I'm sure the Rangers will have a lot of prospects of participating in that. And then you got, of course, the Ivan Holinka Tournament, which is going to be in Canada this year in Edmonton, which is nice because we get to actually watch games during you know, the normal times and not at you know one two o'clock in the morning. So. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's been busy, but uh, a lot of fun at the same time. Enjoy the break, Steve. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks for coming on again. All right, guys. Thanks for having me on. Really appreciate it. Have a good night. Of course. You too. JL, how are you doing, buddy? Hello. I am simply fantastic. <laughs> Thank you for asking, Russ. I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Uh, me and Steve, I'm sorry we get into it a lot. It's a, he And he has so much information, I forget to break into it sometimes. But I'm glad you were here. And I hope you enjoyed listening to him all, all, all because I feel like he had a lot of things that a lot of us kind of needed to hear about our team. No, I did. You know, the one thing that I, you know, familiar about Steve is that Steve does his work and Steve is very, very detail oriented when it comes to what he says and how he says it and how he presents it. So, you know, I didn't mind having to shut my yap and just listen to, you know, listening to him go off because apparently I learned something when I listened to him. So no, I was, it was, was, he was, he's awesome. It's, 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 
always good to have him on the podcast and I've heard him before and, you know, he's, he's real, really good at what he does. So uh, hopefully, like you said, we'll, ha- we'll get to have him sometime later on down the line and, you know, he can go ahead and, and fill us with more information. You know, I, you know, he and he, just right now, giving us the uh, first couple of picks for next year. I know about Jack Hughes, but, you know, there's so many names that you have to go through that sometimes it kind of overwhelms me a little bit. So, you know, it, it's good to see that someone is on top of that and he can spew it out in, in, in such a way that we can understand. Yeah, and I mean, look, um, I didn't know that Ragnarsson actually had some upside to him, so that was nice to know. Joey Keen, look. If he can duplicate some of that production for our blue line, that would be spectacular. Mm-hmm. Uh, even Nico Gross, he, like Steve said, on some boards, he was a first-rounder at the beginning of the year. Maybe if he gets some mm-hmm. of his issues sorted out, he becomes that kind of player. We have another good D-man on our hands. So it's mm-hmm. all really interesting to hear from someone who watches these kids throughout the year. Mm-hmm. Like we can, we can know things. I know things. I read. But not guys like Steve or guys like Ryan exactly. Kennedy from the Hockey News that really do their homework on these guys. Mm-hmm. That's right. And, and the thing, and the thing that, that, uh, that is the most intriguing part about all of this is that, you know, not only do they go further out in terms of the way that they're able to watch them, but they also generally have a good eye on what to look for. So, you know, I'm sure Steve is definitely in tune with what the Rangers are looking for or what the Rangers need. So when he sees the picks, you know, I heard he, he kind of, you know, was a little mystified with some of the picks, but, you know, uh, there's only so much that us as uh, people outside the organization can figure out. Maybe they know something that we don't, but regardless of that, you know, he's able to pinpoint what's good about a player, what's bad about a player, but on a different level, you know, because we can only do so much and they can just add a little more insight to that. Yeah. And, you know, even looking, looking at the first round, uh, like Steve said, he wasn't exactly upset that they got Keandre Miller he was more he was more upset, and I feel like a lot of people feel this way that they had to trade a second to get him. But as always, mm-hmm. if it works out, you're looking at a guy who has a like his ceiling is sky high, and we'll see how good he can be for this Absolutely. team. I've seen comparisons mm-hmm. to Seth Jones, which would be amazing for some you know uh, for for this team. Just that kind of big body, nice shot, really oh, yeah. smart with the puck. Yeah. So if we mm-hmm. can get a player like Seth Jones out of Keandre Miller, that would be more than amazing. And absolutely, uh, our last talk about prospects before we move on to something a little different. Uh, we're, we're almost out of time here, but we have so much to talk about this time. But um, I'll admit, when I heard Vitaly Kravtsov from Tractor Chelyabinks, <laughs> I was admittedly, most people in the room I was in, very quiet, very silent, and there was a lot of angry words said between people, especially in our, you know, between friends and between different fans. And JL knows he was seeing my my uh, my outrage. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, you were you were pretty miffed. I'm not gonna lie, though. It's a little little unusual coming from you. You're usually a generally chill guy. Yeah, no, but looking back, it just shows that we really don't know everything. As much exactly. as we try to speculate all year, like I know everyone out there, I know Oliver Wallstrom seems like he's going to be an amazing player, but I think a lot of the, 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 the anger about Oliver Wallstrom is also because of the team that drafted him. Mm-hmm. Honestly, oh, I yeah, think if absolutely. Oliver Wallstrom yeah. goes to any of the other 29 teams, I'm, I'm not counting the devils here because people would be angry as well. But I feel like if he goes to any other team, say Winnipeg or Dallas or Minnesota drafts him, I don't think this is the kind of reaction we get either. Um, look, 
Will Oliver Wallstrom have a nice NHL career? Sure. I, I think everyone that did their homework knows that. But mm-hmm. Vitaly Kravtsov, I, I really – I want everyone here that hasn't looked up this kid or is still angry about Wallstrom, please. Look him, look him up on YouTube. Yes, look him up on YouTube. Read a little about what this kid has done. He's being compared to guys like Evgeny Malkin and Evgeny Kuznetsov and Alexei Sharapanov and – you know, even Steve was saying some people have even it's, – it's, I'm not saying he's going to become this type of player, but there's shades of Ovechkin and people like that in him. Mm-hmm. Uh, the kid is – he's big. He's 6'4". He's almost 190 pounds. He knows how to get around the ice. It, like, give, give, give a, a look at him because I promise you, you'll like what you see, and you'll want this kid to succeed in our system. And Absolutely. although Wallstrom off the bat, he may – have the better numbers off the bat. Let this kid get acclimated and watch him soar with this franchise. Absolutely. And and one of the things that, you know, obviously like you, you know, if you were to take a look at at least my Twitter feed or uh, Rangers Twitter, quote unquote, after before the pick, you know, we all really wanted Wallstrom because, you know, and, 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 and let's not kid ourselves, you know, everybody, everybody, at least, us American fans like it when the Rangers pick a good old American boy, you know, and I'm not going to lie. And I have nothing against Russians or anybody else who's foreign, but when you see a guy who's American, who's a right-handed shot with something that this team has needed for a while, and seems like he's a little bit of a character too, you know, that really appeals to the Rangers, especially him being a big body and some, you know, adding some kind of grit to that elite shot that, you know, he could develop. So, when you right off the bat see that they pick Vitaly Kratsov, you know, you kind of get a little deflated. And you could even see it on my Twitter feed. Go back and look at it. I wrote a Russian, and then I tagged the, the drafting. But then, you know, after you take a look at him and, 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 and you look at the stuff that he's done, at least in the cage, I think he was playing in, um, if I'm correct, feel free to correct me on this, uh, he was playing in kind of like the AHL version of the KHL and then for, went for into – And then he moved yeah, up for, to uh, the – he was playing in the MHL for a while, and then they moved him up to the big club. Yeah, they moved him up, and then the guy just absolutely is on a tear. So what does that tell you? Granted, it's a small sample size, but the, one of the things that I realize that the Rangers do when they pick people is they, 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 for some reason, seem to have a good eye with talent, you know, for the most part. You know, they kind of seem to know who to pick and how could they fit in their system because, again, we don't know what goes on behind closed doors. Maybe there was something in the either the interview with him or something that they saw that they said, we have to get this guy at nine because all the board said that he was going to be available later on. And really, if you think about it, maybe he could have been there at um, in, in the late 20s, the last two picks that they had. But we don't know. But anyways, so they don't have Wallstrom. We have Kratsov. And you know, the more and more I – look at some of the things I'm reading and some of the videos that I watch, I really think, like you said, they were comparing him to a Malkin, a Kuznetsov, and even some kinds of a Vetchkin. I even saw uh, comparisons to Kovalchuk, you know? And if you can get a type of player like that who is young and homegrown, then there's no downside with that, okay? There is no downside. So with Kratsov, and then you had Nils Lundqvist, and you have Keandre Miller, all of these players have a very common theme. They know how to skate. They have decent hands. Uh, Lundqvist's shot, like Steve said, is kind of average, but still, they know they're very mobile players. And the Rangers, with their rebuild, know exactly what they're doing when they're looking. They want players who are mobile, players who can move up and down and keep up with the fast pace of the new NHL. Mm-hmm. So exactly. I'm not upset, you know, granted, do I still, you know, again, and like you said, you know, my dad's an Islander fan, so he rubbed it in my face. 
He really did. I don't know how I became a Ranger fan when my dad being an Islander fan, but I made a good decision on that. But he, um, he, he rubbed it in my face with Dobson and Wallstrom. You know, I said, okay, you know what? They're still young. Let's see what happens, you know, because you never know. So at the end of the day, any Ranger fan who is upset about these kinds of moves, just take a look at these guys. The one player that I'm honestly really excited to see outside of Kratsov is Ke'Andre Miller. Like you said, yes. oh, he's yes. a big body. He is a big body. And one of the things that I like is that the Rangers are trying to get bigger in the back end, you know. Unfortunately, a couple years ago, they, they tried to do that with Dylan McElrath. The problem is, is Dylan McElrath skated like he had concrete in his skates. And it sucks. Yep but it's true, and that's why he's not here anymore. So now that they're making this approach to get someone who's big, athletic, and can skate, forget it. So, you know, anyone who still has doubts, and I know, you know, we know a couple of people who are still on the fence about it, primarily because that person, um, the, the, person the people that were taken by the island, were the Islanders are our rivals, and you don't want to see anyone go to the Islanders, especially if you wanted them. You know, uh, just I'm warming up to it, and I hope whomever is listening to this, and it's still on the fence. I hope you warm up to it as well because you know what? These are not the Mets. These are not the Jets. The Rangers know what they're doing. They're not the Knicks, yeah. and they know exactly what they're looking for. So I'm I'm happy with it, honestly. I'm happy too. And like JL just said, uh, even though the NHL kind of is going in a smallish defenseman kind of way, as long as you can skate, you can compete. Uh, so let's see. Keandre Miller is 6'5". He's a big dude. Let's not forget about Libor Hayek. Libor Hayek today uh, – said one of the most awesome things I've heard a prospect say all week when he said, oh, I think I'm going to make the team. Like, I'm, fu- I'm fighting for my spot, but I'm, I'm planning to be on the New York Rangers come opening night. That is amazing to hear from this kid who, ever since we got him from the Tampa Bay Lightning, I've been following him. And, man, this kid has been impressive, like, for, for the Regina Pats, for the Czech U-20 team. You know, he's mm-hmm. just he's – been, he's been really good. So, let's see – what all these prospects can do. Brett Howden's another one. There's so many question marks, but before we throw all our hate and vitriol at these kids, who, who, by the way, 17, 18, 19, 20 years old, they're just coming into themselves. Let's see how they do. And, you know, I honestly think Kravtsov will be a dominant forward for us down the line. Now there's other holes to fill and we have to see if Heedle and Anderson, those guys can fill our holes at center, but you know, worst comes to worst silver lining. Let's remember what Steve said at the way end. At the top of next year's draft, there's about seven top centers, with about two or three of them being true franchise centers with Jack Hughes uh, and possibly even Kirby Datch is one of them from the Saskatoon Blades. So there's a lot to like if, the, if something goes wrong this year again. Mm-hmm. And even looking even more ahead, 2020, oh, man, God, if there was any year I'd want the Rangers to be the number one pick in the next season, 2020, baby. And if you guys don't know this game, oh, man, look up this name. Alexis Lafreniere plays for Ramuski Oceanic. Oh, my God. This is a wonder mm. time. This is a kid who is going to be – who's already drawing comparisons to Sidney Crosby, John Tavares, and the like. Uh, please, Alexis Lafreniere, man, if there was any year for the Rangers to be super bad, let it be 2019-20. <laughs> But um, <laughs> man, have, have, but uh, that's that's two years down the line. There's plenty to worry about mm-hmm. down then. But uh, Rangers could Absolutely. be Rangers could be competing by then, depending on how some of their prospects turn out. So uh, mm-hmm. we will see. Um, so one last word before we go today. Um, we are now Forever Blue Shirts Radio, formerly the Tilted Ice Podcast, but we wanted to feel closer to our site, closer to our writers, closer to our fans. Uh, you know, give us support throughout the year. 
throughout the summer, throughout the offseason. We promise and our pledges to keep giving you guys amazing content, keep giving you guys really good interviews on our show, keep bringing up topics about the Rangers that you want to hear about. So uh, it's going to be good. Nothing's changing. We just changed the name in some of our media, but we're still here, same guys. And uh, JL will be on here a lot more now, and I hope you guys enjoy his commentary because uh, we love having him. And, uh, yeah, oh, JL man. would like to be on the show more. The spot is open for him. Oh, Russ, don't do that. I'm terrible at compliments, <laughs> please. <laughs> no, honestly, though, it, it's – I you know, when I came here – Last October, I knew that there was a podcast, and I said, ah, maybe one day if they want to invite me. You know, that's their thing. I only came to write, but then when, you know, I called in one time, and, you know, uh, you guys asked me to be on. You know, I, if there's one thing, I'm a broadcaster by heart. You know, that's what I'm studying. That's what I go for. So if you give me an, any any chance to talk about the Rangers, even when it's good or bad, and even, even when I'm irrational, I'll do it. So I'm grateful to, you know, you, Russ, and Zach, and, and Ann especially, and, and then the whole crew and, and staff that, you know, helps put content on the site. You guys are really awesome. You know, we, we do a solid job in providing different opinions and doing different types of stories and, and, and such. And it's really enjoyable to read. You know, so I'm glad that I'm surrounded by a wonderful group of people who not only are Ranger fans, but also uh, can contribute to, you know, different types of opinions and different types of stories and can add, you know, a different depth into what a lot of other people do. So thank you, guys. I, I really do appreciate it. Yes, I, I do want to be on because I like I don't like hearing myself talk, but I like when other people hear me talk. So Yeah, and we love having you on. So everyone, thank you for listening today. Steve was awesome. He'll be on again in the fall. Uh, I'm going to try to get a few other people to come on to talk about our prospects. I'm going to try to get Ryan Kenny from the Hockey News to come back on. There's some guys on YouTube that I'm trying to talk about that really focus on prospects to come and talk to us again. And uh, welcome to Forever Blue Shirts Radio. It's going to be a good time. We'll talk to you all in just a few weeks. to Old Navy now for February's biggest style steal. 40% off all jeans and tees. Jeans start at just 18 bucks for adults, 12 bucks for kids. With tees from just 7 bucks for adults, 6 bucks for kids. All jeans and tees are on sale. Even your favorite rock star jeans. All jeans and all tees are 40% off right now. Don't miss out. Run into Old Navy and OldNavy.com today. Valid 211 to 221 excludes in-store clearance jeans and tees. Active licensed and men's package tees. 
Get to Old Navy now for February's biggest style steal. 40% off all jeans and tees. Jeans start at just 18 bucks for adults, 12 bucks for kids. With tees from just 7 bucks for adults, 6 bucks for kids. All jeans and tees are on sale, even your favorite rock star jeans. All jeans and all tees are 40% off right now. Don't miss out. Run into Old Navy and OldNavy.com today. Valid 211 to 221 excludes in-store clearance jeans and tees. Active licensed and men's package tees. The Raiders have moved to Las Vegas, but Raider Nation is worldwide. Hi, Silver and Black Maniacs. I'm Scott Goldbranson, host of Silver and Black Today, the first and only all-Raiders show from the capital of Raider Nation, Las Vegas, Nevada. A-list guests like players and coaches, and the best Raiders talk in the land. Subscribe and listen today if you just want to win, baby. What's going on? You have John Wangland, one of the hosts of Wrestling With Reality. Check out our shows this week on Wrestling With Reality. We have some great shows. We have our MMA show. We look at, is Khabib Namagamadov versus George St. Pierre a reality? Why John Jones is such a disgrace to the UFC? We also have on WCW Monday Nitro Watch Along, and we take a look back at Triple H in his 25-year career in the WWE. So check out Wrestling With Reality on all major podcast outlets. And let's go, Raider Nation. It's me, Evan Grote, host of Just Pod Baby. Join me as I bring you the latest news on your Las Vegas Raiders. On Just Pod Baby, I will give you my thoughts on all things silver and black. And of course, you can expect to receive the best information from top-notch guests. Be sure to listen to Just Pod Baby, a Las Vegas Raiders podcast, part of the Silver and Black Today Media Group.